Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Yeah. Um, what's up, besties? This is Jill Coleman. And this is Danny Jizzle. <laughs> can you just can, yeah, can you just change your name? Well, can you tell actually the listeners about <laughs> maybe you don't want to tell the listeners, but when you and what? Jeff talked about potentially getting married and you changing your last name, you're looking for another new last name. That's all I'm oh, saying. Yeah. This is she's Danny's in a little bit of a conundrum right now. <laughs> Well, maybe I should just change it to this. Good idea. Yeah. I told Jeff we'd have to change. I was like, well, you could just be Johnson. He's like, I'm not going to be your ex-husband's last name. And I'm like, I don't even think of that it's his last name. I just feel like it's just my last name. So we've discussed different last names. And yeah, maybe Jizzle it is actually. Maybe you guys should both be Jizzle. Beasley Jizzle. Jeff Jizzle. Jeff Jizzle. <laughs> I like Jeff? then I don't have to then I don't have to change the J. I like that. Danny J. Danny still stands for and people will say, what does J stand for? And I'm like, you really want to know. <laughs> Jeff Jizzle sounds like a rapper from like the, Jeff, the 90s. Jeff, Jeff Jizzle on the turntables and shit. Oh, Beasley Jizzle too. I like it. I like it. I think I'm going to put this on the table for um, <laughs> for discussion, and we'll we'll see what happens. I'll let you know in our next our next meeting. I'll uh, put this on the on the relationship meeting, like, babe, I have a suggestion. Put in the suggestion the box. suggestion box for the relationship, which also <laughs> might be useful. Um, but we actually got a listener question, and it's similar to an episode we recently did, which um, I think that will be published before this one on falling in love with someone's potential and around relationships and sort of, you know, can people change can we make them change, you know, and things like that. So what was the question specifically? <laughs> so this question, she said, I'd love an episode on if we can expect growth in our partner in a certain area. We can't change people and we shouldn't necessarily want to, but if we feel like we're 90% of our partner is great or a relationship is 90% great, is it okay to want them to invest in personal growth and development as obviously we are? My, for example, my partner really struggles with communication. Clearly, communication is everything stemming from trust and overall ability to have relationship, health, healthy relationships. I've asked him to work on it, but aside from couples therapy, which may be a good route to learn and grow together, he said he's open to me sharing resources or ways to help him become a better communicator. Mm. I think that's cool. Just like asterisks, he's open to it. So yeah. that's a good start. Am I asking too much or do you have any experience with trying to help your partner grow in an area that can benefit him and the relationship? Any ideas for men to engage with to become better communicators or what is your take? Um, I was going to say, speaking of change, besides the last name, let's talk about changing <laughs> changing people. But uh, this is really, this is a great kind of conversation. And like you said, it is on the heels of the last one a bit. And I think we've had these kind of things too about having them change in different areas, whether it's health and fitness, um, personal development, et cetera. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I love this question so much because I think this is really, I think this is really common, especially in um, 
male female relationships you know i mean if you are with a man who is able to clearly communicate i would say that's probably more rare than it is common especially around relationship stuff you know and women just we we just talk more to our girlfriends we we divulge more we're more open we're more vulnerable we you know just share a lot more we vent a lot more so we're just more we're literally just more practiced at stringing together words in that way in that and it's not that maybe he's a bad communicator maybe he's just not a good communicator in this realm right like maybe at mm. his job you know he's great at what he does or maybe in with his bros or whatever he's you know he's great at at that thing but when it comes to talking about your relationship that really is a skill set so my first question was literally going to be is he open to it because that's the thing is yeah. we can never change someone who doesn't want to change so the fact that it sounds like he sees it as important too is also mm-hmm. great because it sounds like you've brought this up and he kind of knows that maybe it's something that is lacking and he maybe knows that it's something that's important to you and maybe important to the relationship. So it, was, it sounds like he has an understanding about that, which is great. So it sounds like she's more just asking about tactically, tactical tools to, to help him get there instead of maybe like, how do I create a desire in this person? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And it does sound more like that. I think one tool that it was really, so you did mention, or she did mention couples therapy. And I think that's a great tool to use in communication, especially in a relationship, because then it's very, very specific to what you, what it sounds like you are struggling in. Because like Jill said, it might not be communication issues in work. It might not be communication issues around particular things. It's just communication issues and maybe how he feels or how, or what things are coming up in the relationship. But one, so I think couples therapy, yes, I, I think that's a great place to also, start. Also, it doesn't feel as specific. vulnerable too, right? Because you're like, we're doing it together versus like you're mm-hmm. singling him out and being like, look, you need to go talk to someone, right? Like instead of right. her being like, you need to go and figure this out, you're like, hey, let's do this together, which maybe feels a little bit more inclusive for him and less scary. Yeah, I like that. Um, another thing that I've really found that was helpful in communication was NLP. NLP stands for neuro-linguistic programming. And I took a class probably in 2017 when I was in Los Angeles. And one of the interesting things I learned about NLP was this. It was really that the if someone misunderstands you, like if you're trying to explain something to somebody, it's not on them to, or it's not on the person to try to understand. It's on you to communicate better and to communicate more clearly. So it really helps you learn how your communication affects what's being um, understood by the other person. And actually, we just, we even mentioned Alexi Panos in one of the last episodes. I can't remember which one, but I just saw a reel that her husband, um, what's his name? Lexi and I don't know, last name is Panos or something. Anyway, he just did a reel that was talking about this in communication and relationships. And he's like, if you're trying to say something to your partner and they're not getting it, it's on you to figure out how to say it better or to say it in a different way that they are getting it or to say it in some other way. So ultimately, if there's a communication issue between the two of you, it's really on you to communicate it better. And so he does need to communicate better if something is not getting through to you or if you guys are hitting, you're bumping up against the same things over and over and over. So it's a tool that isn't necessarily specific to relationships, but I think it can help relationships and it can help communication in general. It's just a really interesting way of using language. And some people, like you might have heard it from Tony Robbins, he talks about using NLP a lot and some coaches use it in their training. And you don't necessarily have to go through a whole course. There's a lot of just like weekend 
uh, workshops, like one or two day workshops. And I see these a lot, actually like come to Vegas a lot. They'll run ads. And I'm sure at the events, they'll try to sell you into like a larger certification program, but maybe in your local area, or you can even look on meetup, you can, or even just Google NLP and put in your city. And there might be some local workshops that are maybe worth looking into and just getting a little bit of touch up on both of your communication. Mm, that's good. Preston Smiles is his name. Yes. Preston. <laughs> I'm like, wait, his last name isn't Panos. Preston Smiles. You know, Thank you. Real, the more I sit with this question, the more I really appreciate it. I can definitely relate and I'll, I'll definitely share some of my experience with this um, in a second. But I want to validate this because when you talk to, even we had Xander and Vanessa on to talk about their book, Sex Talks. I've listened to like Sex with Emily, her podcast, which we love her. She's awesome. And oftentimes when you ask these relationships or sex experts, um, you know, for advice, they will give good advice, but oftentimes it just starts with, you need to have the conversation. And so it all like skips over this, like, but what about if my partner like can't have the conversation, right? Mm. Like that advice just assumes that everyone's on the level of being able to articulate their feelings and also wants to have the conversation and it's okay with having the conversation. And I think that's a like a level two. I think actually level one is mm. what she's talking about, which is this idea of, and I want to, if we're talking more like tactically, I try to think about communication in two phases. The first phase is really self-awareness. You have to know how you feel, right? So I can't tell Danny that I'm feeling embarrassed about something or I'm feeling um, scared about something or I'm feeling vulnerable about something. I can't say that to her if I can't identify the emotion. So oftentimes we might feel those ways. And it's funny because if you do feel something like embarrassment, usually it just comes out as like, anger or mm -hmm. sadness, right? But you don't know that it's actually embarrassment because you you tend to, at least for me, I tend to like lash out first. And then I'm like, what exactly is this feeling? Oh, I lashed out because I was embarrassed. I was trying mm -hmm. to save face or my ego took a hit or whatever. So you have to, number one, even have self-awareness, even like know yourself. So I, th I think that's probably first order of business is probably just starting to understand yourself a little bit more and be able to identify the emotions because that's the first step. Because then once you have the emotion, then you can share it. I was actually out to dinner with Shantae, who was our friend, the movement maestro, last week. And I was talking to her about something. And um, and I was just saying, you know, I just feel really embarrassed. And I remember saying that. She's like, why do you feel that way? And I was like, the fact that I can even articulate that, it feels scary to be able to mm. say some of those things, right? I feel ashamed or I feel scared or I feel vulnerable. Like, even being able to say that feels vulnerable, right? You know, it's like it's double vulnerability because yeah. you have to actually then admit that you don't have everything together, that you are scared of something, that you do have fears around something, like whatever. So I think it's two phases. It's one, being able to identify the emotion that's coming up for you and not just calling it like anger or like sadness because if you're crying, then someone goes, oh, she's sad. Or if you're yelling, someone goes, oh, he's angry. But really, there's so yep. much, there's like 10 other emotions it could be. It just might come out in crying. It might come out in yelling. And so knowing what the emotion is, that's number one. And then number two, being able to actually say it out loud, which can feel even more vulnerable, especially for a, a man who maybe doesn't want to say, I feel embarrassed. I feel scared. I feel unsafe. I feel vulnerable. Like those are like some hard things to say. So I think part of this, and this is probably to her question, is how do I get him interested in even caring about himself and like, you know, like caring to know about himself. And I definitely relate to this because my partner, I remember I had this conversation with him and things have gotten better, but this is definitely something that we struggle with too, because I'm so communicative. 
and I know myself and I can speak and articulate exactly how I'm feeling so well that I think I can overpower him sometimes. And it's not that it's my fault. It's just like, I think I can, because I'm so, I think it can almost feel a little bit, um, what's the word? Intimidating you know, mm-hmm. to receive. Cause I think sometimes he wants to be able to communicate back, but he doesn't have the words. So then he doesn't say anything. And then, and that's sort of the loop that we had gotten into for a time where I was just like anything, just like throw a word out there. Like anything right. you say we can go with, like, you know? So, right. but he was so scared. He, either he was scared. He didn't say this. He was either scared that he couldn't, didn't want to say the wrong thing or he really didn't know what he was feeling. And so it got to the point where I was like, well, I just am having a monologue right now. So I guess, and like, that's hard in your relationship because that shit ain't sexy, right? Like, it's just not sexy. Now all of a sudden I'm in like a mentorship role. I'm in a teacher role and I'm in a mom role because I am a little bit further along. I just had more practice with this kind of stuff. So suggestions being, you know, listening to some books on like how to know yourself, like literally just day one stuff about like, you know, even reading something like the five love languages, it's just a good like first entry into self-awareness. What is my love language? Just answering a question, right? If you think about self-awareness, it's really just, it's just really, it could be anything from a fucking astrology to, to Enneagram to, you know, taking a personality quiz or a strengths finder, anything that just gives you some info as to who you are. And so I think that was the thing that I really struggled with early in my relationship was Keith wasn't even interested in that stuff. And I was like, how can you not be interested in in knowing about yourself? It's so cool. Like you take this thing and you get this Enneagram and then you look at it and it's like, oh, it's me. Like, and he just was, he just goes, I'm just not interested in personal development. Like I just don't really care to know about myself. And I was like, that's wild to me. Over time, I feel like my example has sort of like caught on and that he's like at least making an effort to learn more about that and do some of his own stuff. But, you know, he's never going to do it if I'm like, hey, you need to learn how to do this. Like I just, that's just not that, that hasn't been my style. Well, one of the questions she said in here is if your relationship is 90% great, is it okay to want them to invest in personal growth because you are? Mm. Do you think that's a requirement? If they're doing something, you should also expect them to? No, for sure not. And this is hard, right? Especially if you're excited about something. We talked about this in other episodes where like you're you're like, come on, like I'm going this direction, like I'm growing, I'm I'm becoming this new person. Like I want you to come along with me. I don't know that it definitely forcing someone to 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 quote level up or to get to the next level of personal development never really works. So I understand that it's common and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Like it's a normal response to want the person to also want to do. I mean, that's just anyone who wants to have calm, find commonalities, right? If you like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. We're, we have, we're on the same page. But I do think that if the person doesn't want to come along, you do have to figure out how to still relate to them in a way that respects their choice to not want to do that, you know? Yeah. And then also realize that, gosh, 90% of our relationship is great. I'm not going to throw out 90% because for 10% of it, he doesn't want to do exactly what I do all the time. I think there's there's something nice about finding um, joy and interest and spice even in things that you don't have in common. Yeah. What do you yeah, think I about really that? Like that? Yeah, I really like that. And I think it's important to, like when she said, is it it's 90%, but is it okay to expect? Cause uh, she said, cause obviously I am doing it. And it's like, just because you're doing it doesn't mean that they're on the same, you're on the same trajectory or path or even timeline. And maybe he'll get there, but he's like, I'm not there yet. You know, I think a lot of times people go into personal development because 
something big happened, right? They're trying to wrap their mind around something, whether it was a death or a job loss or, or maybe just a health scare. And so that sends you down this path to, to seeking or looking for something. And if someone's kind of going along in their life and things aren't bad, they may not feel the desire or need to find anything new. And so maybe they're doing all right. And you had some, you know, epiphany or something came up. And and so of course you got excited about it, but just because you are, doesn't mean that they, you need to expect them to as well. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said to respect their choice, because I think that's the only way to get them to even come to your side is to respect their choice when they are or not begging them or or guilting them into it or trying to force them is going to backfire. And ultimately, if you respect them enough to say, hey, I'm doing this, would love for you to join or not, or are you interested in this conversation? And and they give you, you know, they say yes, or they do a little bit, just like take the little that you can get when you get it, but don't push it and don't force it. And you will more likely get them to open up more and be more interested. Like, you know, for you guys too, like he's been doing more because you know, you haven't been pushing it or forcing it. And I think it's also important. Um, we did an episode called the jar and I just looked it up. It was episode 334. Um, Jeff and I did that episode and we talked about creating a safe space. So one of the pieces as far as communicating is you have to create a safe space in order for them to be able to communicate. Like Jill said, if you got a guy who's not used to even saying, that he's feeling any sort of way. And now he's ready to say, I'm embarrassed about this. And then you instantly like shut that down or go, oh my God, you shouldn't be embarrassed. That's so stupid. Or that's so ridiculous. Or what you say anything, it's going to instantly go, nope. Okay. This is why I don't do it. This is why I don't communicate. This is why I don't say my feelings. This is why, this is exactly why I don't do this. So also looking within yourself to find the ways in which you may not be being safe for them to be able to communicate. I'm not saying this is a you problem, but I'm saying that when I look back before my marriage ended, I probably was not a safe place for my husband to come to me to tell me that maybe he had feelings for someone or that he was seeing somebody. Like If he had said he met some chick at the gym, I don't think I would have been able to hold any space for that or allow that conversation to happen because I was like that just, I just wasn't, I couldn't do that. Today, if Jeff came to me with this, like, hey, I've got, so, I would be like, thank you for sharing this with me. I'm so glad you trusted me to bring this up. Of course, this hurts and I don't like it, but like, let's talk about it, right? I would have a completely different reaction than I would have eight years ago. So also this is some more inner work for you to do, the listener or anyone here listening, is more inner work for you to do to ask, Am I being a safe enough space to be able to hold the container? Mm. I hate using that word, but to be able to hold a container if my partner was to communicate with me, if they were to be vulnerable with me, could I be okay with them communicating and make sure that they would continue to do that? Or would they try it? And maybe this happened before and maybe something happened in the past and you don't even know it and it wasn't even your fault, but like you said something and they already shut off. And so you might be pushing against a rock here because maybe they tried it in the past and they got shut down or maybe it wasn't you maybe it was a prior mm. girlfriend or their mother or someone else and so they have to like be gently uh, led into this new space again because it's scary or it's too vulnerable or hurts too bad or reminds them too much of how it didn't work before mm. that's so good because it's, sometimes it's not you maybe it's not something you mm. ever did it's it is like <laughs> we definitely we definitely deal with this in my relationship I would say deal but it's definitely something for Keith you know he always talks about with his own dad 
like he either got like yelled at or his dad was like, well, you know, I love you. Right. Like it was just very like, so there was no in between, like there was no like safe space. Like when you say safe space, no mm-hmm. container, no safe space, no, like, you know, so then how would you as an adult ever feel safe stating your truth? Totally. So little plug here, as Danny was talking, I was thinking about this. We actually have um, tools to teach communication, honest communication in the happiness diet. So if you go to thehappinessdiet.com, it's Danny and I's best life course. And it's like all about personal development. I don't know if you could like secretly buy it for him on the download and be like, oh, you just got that course in your inbox. But we do talk quite a bit about this. So it might be something that you might even, or anyone listening might be interested in doing. Um, but I'll just give you guys like a little cliff notes here. There's one section we talk about how to have an honest conversation. And we break it down by using what we call the three S's. And so this is maybe something you could, I don't know, teach him or show him or something to maybe help him practice if he's open to it. So the first S is just set the stage. And so this is where, and and I'll give you a couple examples. This is where you kind of like tell the person that you're about to tell them something, but you do it in a way that like Danny was saying, creates a safe space. So you'll say something like, okay, so I want to talk to you about something and I'm like feeling a little vulnerable about it. And I'm not sure like exactly how it's going to come out. And to be honest, I'm a little bit scared of you know, your react, what your action is going to be, but I, you know, I want to trust you with this. So it's like, you kind of like, you set the stage, like your goal, you're already feeling vulnerable, but you already trust that they can handle it. So you're doing this little like reverse psychology, like, Hey, I want to tell you something. I'm already like a little bit worried. I don't know how you're going to take it. You know, it's nothing bad, but it is something that makes me feel a little scared to share. But so it's not over the top, but you just say, you know, this is something vulnerable and I, I'm trusting you to hold it down basically. And then hopefully they do hold it down because you basically implanted that idea. The second S is just state your truth as clearly as you can. Just like, this is how I'm feeling. And you don't say like, you're doing this. You say, when you do that, it makes me feel this way. So instead of being like pointing the finger and being like, because you do this, it's like, you doing that makes me feel this way. Or this is how it's coming off to me. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's how it makes me feel in the moment, whatever. And then the last S is surfing the discomfort. This is always the hardest piece for anyone having any kind of, I don't know, I don't say critical conversation or crucial conversation, surfing the discomfort is allowing the person who you just shared it with to have their response. So if they are going to be like when Jeff, you know, that example you gave of Jeff sharing that with you and you just being like, yeah, like I'm hurt and it doesn't feel good, but like I can understand it. That's like giving you that opportunity to have that response. She wasn't like, sounds great, right? You were like, that hurts. And so when you share something vulnerable with someone, there's a chance that they're not going to get it. There's a chance they're not going to see it at the same same way as you, which is why a lot of people don't do these conversations, right? Is not because they're scared of stating the truth. They're scared of what the outcome is going to be, the fallout could potentially be. So surfing the discomfort is just you letting them have their response. It doesn't mean you need to be a doormat or agree or, you know, whatever, but it just means that like they might be upset. They might be, but don't take it personally. Allow for them to have the experience. So I'll, I'll share with you a little bit how this works. So Keith is starting to like get a little bit better at practicing communication and he'll say stuff like, like, I don't know how this is going to come out. Like, he'll just say like, you know, I'm going to like try. I'm not sure exactly like this is probably not going to come out right. You know, he'll like say that before he says the thing, right? Like, I don't know if this is exactly true, but this is something I was thinking about. You know, this is like a half form thought. Like, he'll kind of say stuff like that. So I know that like that, and I don't say this to him, obviously, but like, I know for him, that's him trying to initiate a hard conversation. 
And so in those moments, I just get curious. So he'll say something and I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why did you think that? So instead of being like, oh, or like having my response, I'll just say, I'll ask more open-ended questions to get him. But I'll, I, I'm at the point where I'm not really initiating those conversations again, because of this mm-hmm. like mother-daughter sort of dynamic that it sets up. But it took me a couple of years to get to that point where I was like, I'm not going to be the one who's always initiating the conversation. So when I see him initiate, I just try to receive it. And I just try to, you know, to expand and ask questions and get curious. And so maybe you could do something like that. I don't think this is going to change. I don't think it's going to change overnight, but I think there are ways that you can lower the barrier to entry to make him feel safer, at least practicing some of this stuff. I really love that. I think it's a great example and it's really easy to, um, to teach that and to learn that. And it makes sense. I also think a big point you made was talking, was saying being curious. It's really, really difficult when someone starts to communicate and maybe they don't say it right. And a lot of times it comes out messy or they're like, it's not what I meant, but it's like, this is how I feel. And it feels just like, it's just being curious. And that, the sentence you said of like, oh, that's interesting. You know, that's interesting. I, how would you, you know, like what made you think about that? that? Or, Or, Oh, like, how did you, you know, Mm -hmm. what made you think of that? Or like, how did you come to that conclusion? Or, Oh, that's interesting. Like what made you, what, what made that come up? I, I find myself often and really like, I have to, um, I have to really guard against this is getting defensive when someone shares something, right. If they say, share something that maybe Mm -hmm. they felt or they, they thought around me and instead of jumping to a defense, like, well, this is why I did that getting curious and saying, okay, like, or even going, I can see how you might see it that way. Like trying to put yourself in their shoes before jumping to defense. Because again, as soon as you do, then it's like, this is why I don't bring things to you. This okay. is why I don't communicate. This is why I don't tell you because you get defensive, you jump on me. It just feels like it's too much. And so we have to really, it, communication goes both ways. It's not just, and you can't just point the finger like he's not a good communicator. That may be true. He may not be a good communicator, but we also have to be a place that they can practice and work on communication and it goes both ways. Communication is not just in the speaking, it's also in the listening mm-hmm. and the receiving. So I think- It's um, also a skill, right? Like that's the thing is, is give people permission to mess up, like give people permission yeah. to like, to come to come back and try and, you know, I've talked about this many times in the podcast. I really was not a good communicator at all until I went through my divorce and my ex-husband and I stayed together for a year and we had a lot of conversation, a lot of heavy, long, scary, tough <laughs> conversations, but that was really what- it helped me get so many reps. And as a result of that, I became a better communicator. But, you know, that took a year of practice, right? And like practice that, you know, wasn't all that pleasant. But so I think it's you, like Danny said, I think we need to be aware of are we giving someone a safe practice ground because they're not going to be perfect at it. And like, you're probably not either. And so, but if you really love this person and you care about them progressing and they do seem motivated and inspired to want to do it, then you're probably going to have to just, uh, what's the word? Like put your own shit aside a little bit and just, and, and, but I like what you said about saying, you know, I, I could see how you could see that. That wasn't my intention. Like, I think you don't have to take it personally. You can just be an Mm -hmm. observer of someone's observation, right? Like that's what I always think. I always think about like watching myself so I don't get so caught up in defense. I like think Mm -hmm. about like, okay, I'm watching another, I'm watching a couple have a conversation. Like how can I be a more objective observer of this conversation than immediately make it about me? Because then we, then it just stops the conversation in its tracks. Like you said, as soon as you're like, why do you mean to do that? And then all of a sudden they're like, well, 
why would I even bring anything up? It doesn't even seem to matter. You don't even seem to listen yeah. to me or care. So yeah. So, and it's hard in the moment. It's very hard, especially if you're feeling like accused or you're feeling embarrassed because you probably know there's some truth to what they're saying, <laughs> which makes you feel yeah. embarrassed, you know? I think communication is something that is a lifelong thing too. Like you said, it's practice and it's not going to happen overnight. And it's also, we have to be patient with where our partner is at because if you, let's say, maybe it's a coach listening here or even a trainer or somebody like who communicates with people as our job and being a female that we just talk a lot more. Let's just say you have years of experience and this is somebody who's coming along who's new. We'd I think we sometimes expect them to like be at our level instantly or right away and that's not going to happen. So being patient, being willing, being open and giving them the benefit of the doubt of trying it goes a long way and just respecting where they're at. And and sometimes, you know, it, this is therapy too. Um, like if someone's going to therapy and they're coming up against some hard stuff and then they kind of like regress or go back, it's hard when you come up and you're having hard conversations over and over. It gets draining. It gets exhausting. Nobody wants to continue to put themselves through that a lot. So you have to like give and take and give like almost like breaks and rest. It's same thing with our body, right? Like you don't want to work out seven days a week. You need some breaks in there and you need rest. And you also need to give your relationship a little bit of rest from these hard conversations too, because it gets so exhausting that it's like, cool, I've had enough practice. Like, can we just laugh again? Can we do something fun? Can we not talk about all this heavy shit all the time? Yeah. So also just remember that you got to you got to build in some some rest there too because emotional um i guess emotional resilience needs needs a little bit of breaks in there as well mm -hmm. no i love that you said that it's so true and i think that's also a good practice for you about not having to like talk about everything right the second i mean i think there's really something to be said for collecting your thoughts and taking your time and really thinking through how you want to say something. And it's hard because I don't know about you, but for me, I definitely, if something comes up, I want to talk about it right now. Like we don't like sitting in the discomfort of there needs to be something, we need to talk about something, right? I think I've gotten better at this because Heath is a fireman. So he's literally gone for 24 hours. So if something comes up while he's gone, I do have to practice like, you know, I mean, sometimes if it's like urgent, I'll, I'll call him at the station. It's fine. But like for the most part, I'm like, okay, like I'd like to be, I'd like to see him in person before I have this conversation. So it actually makes me like builds in some of that, Wait just, yeah, that time to really gather your thoughts and decide what you want to say and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I love that you said that. We do need breaks. And also it's probably going to be not just one conversation. It's going to be, you know, a series of conversations over time. And, and I think that as long as you're looking for progress that I think you'll find it. I love it. Well, thank you for messaging in and lo really love this. Um, any of these kind of questions y'all have or something similar or something way different, we'd love to hear it and riff on it. And you can hit us up. That was uh, a message in our DMs on Instagram. So you can message us there at the Best Life Podcast on Instagram, or you can post in the private Facebook group. Um, if you go to thebestlifepodcast.com, there is a link on our website to join the Facebook group. And you can post in there because you can get other people's feedback. And you can also post anonymously so that we don't know who it is. And you're always welcome to let us know if you want us to say your name on the show. I didn't even ask for this one, so I just decided not to say it. But thanks for your message and we'll see you on the next episode. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.